You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. What a beautiful tribute that was. That was uh, in the second period of the Lexan versus Brenas game on Thursday afternoon, uh, afternoon in, in North America, anyhow. Um, Brenas was a team that Borja Salming played for the news uh, on Thursday, uh, the passing at the age of 71 of Toronto Maple Leafs and Detroit Red Wings and Trey Kroner star Borea Salming. Welcome to 32 Thoughts, the podcast presented by GMC and the new Sierra AT4X. Elliot, we've spent a lot of time talking about Borea Salming over the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to add a couple of more things to it, certainly after Hall of Fame weekend and the outpouring of love that we saw on Thursday and those tributes and memories are you know all over social media and, and keep flooding in, uh, and they're all wonderful. Um I thought a lot about Borea Salming after my radio show was over and had a chance to talk to, to Daryl Sittler, and he spoke you know, so beautifully about Borea. How, how could he not? It gave us a, a wonderful moment a week and a half ago holding Salming's arm in the air before that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Hall of Fame weekend with you know tears in not just Daryl Sittler's eyes, but everybody's eyes that day. And the one thing that I keep coming back to is, you know, we should all be so lucky to know how everybody feels about us before we pass. And I look at Borea Salming and the fact that he, you know, flew to Toronto uh, for those games, for Hall of Fame weekend, the standing ovations, the tears, the hugs, the outpouring of love from, like, Elliot, every single hockey corner mentioned on the Monday at Hall of Fame by various, by Gary Bettman, by, you know, by Swedish hockey players, Again, we should all be so lucky to have an understanding of how we are loved before we pass on. That's one of the things that I feel about Borea Salming today. It's an incredible outpouring. To be honest, listening to you say that, Jeff, I don't think I'd want that for myself because I know it would fall well short of what Borea Salming received. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) But I think that's the thing that a lot of people feel today is grateful that that happened. Yes, 
ALS is a horrible, horrible disease. Lou Gehrig died 90 years ago almost, and we still haven't made a ton of advancements. It's just a brutal, disgusting disease. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody knew when they heard that this was the diagnosis that it was very serious. And, you know, everyone's sad today, but I think everyone's glad too that they got that final goodbye. On some level, there's closure. Yeah. And that's the best thing about this is he got the proper send off. That is the way that Boreas Salming should have been celebrated while he was there to see it, while everybody was there to witness it. I have to tell you, I am still amazed, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And Sittler said it today when I spoke to him briefly, and, and Mike Ferriman from the Maple Leafs organization, who was one of the people who helped organize it, I still think about what he said and a couple weeks ago, and that is that how did the stars have to align for it to be Hall of Fame weekend, mm. back-to-back home games Friday and Saturday for the Maple Leafs, which almost never happens, three Swedes going into the Hall of Fame that weekend, and six Maple Leafs being able to start who are Swedes in their natural positions, three forwards, two defensemen, and think about it, Eric Schalgren in goal. Yeah. Like Samsonov and Murray had to be both out mm-hmm. for Schalgren to play. And nobody roots for injuries. Nobody wants that. But just think of the karma. Like you you think about somebody looking out. Like I don't know who out there believes in a divine power, but there was somebody that wanted that to happen. And Bory Salming himself wanted it very much to be in, in yes. North America to to be with his teammates, and it was great seeing him with you know Daryl Sittler and Lanny McDonald and and Tiger Williams and standing beside Matt Sundin. Ah, the whole thing, you know. Bory Salming wasn't the first Swede in the NHL. That was Ulf Sterner with uh, the Rangers in the like sixty four sixty five. Tommy Bergman, you know, played a year with the Detroit Red Wings a year before Borea Salming started with the Maple Leafs, but he was the first star, Elliot. Like you talk about those players on the Maple Leafs that started, you trace all of that back to Borea Salming because of what Borea meant to Swedish hockey and what Borea meant to Swedish hockey players. And I I really enjoyed your most recent blog uh, as you talked about toughness with Borea Salming. And there's one other thing that I want to add to it because we know how much he endured and how much he refused to change and how much he got speared and cross-checked and, and attacked and all of it and wouldn't change his game and you know kept plowing through. That was Borea Salming. One thing that we never really talk about with Europeans who came over to North America to play in the NHL at that time is how tough it must have been to leave. You know, we have this idea that everybody dreams of playing in the NHL and everybody wants their stars to go in the and go to the NHL, whether you're in Prague or Helsinki or Stockholm or Karuna in Borea Salming's case. It was hard. Oh yeah. On both sides. That's what I'm saying. It's really tough. I mean, you know, there's a documentary out there where his wife spoke about it, about just how difficult this was. It's been four years now since Borea Salming and Inga Hammerstrom arrived in Toronto to play for the Maple Leafs. 
Since Boria spoke very little English at that time, his wife-to-be, Margita, told us about the mixed feelings back home in Sweden with their number one star going to North America. Most of the people, I think, are happy to see them here. They want the Swedes to do well in NHL, of course, and, but there are some who had wanted them to be still in Sweden, of course, and once it was a fan to Boria who called him up and called him traitor because he was going to leave. In the short time he's been here, Boria has become one of the National Hockey League's biggest stars. That was a really difficult decision for Boyer Salming. But again, it was his resolve and it was his toughness that got him through. And he had to go back to Sweden and hear all of those things as well. And one of the things that, that Daryl Sittler and I spoke about on the radio show on Thursday was, and this was such a beautiful moment, and you can find it, it's, it's available on YouTube if you haven't seen it before. It's Borja Salming playing for Sweden in the 1976 Canada Cup, and he's out there being introduced by himself on the blue line to a standing ovation at Maple Leaf Gardens against Team Canada. And it was emotional then, and on a day like this, Elliot, it's even more emotional. Jeff, that is beautifully said. We're going to put a link in the show notes. There's a Borja Salming ALS Foundation. If you'd like to contribute, any amount counts. Any amount helps. Look at the link in the show notes. Borja Salming being introduced as one of the starting six for Sweden. And you can hear the applause here at Maple Leaf Gardens for Borja Salming. Many are standing. Just listen to them. Here they are. I said many are standing now. Everyone in the building is standing. For Borja Salming, he has scored two goals and two assists in the Canada Cup competition. Thank you. Thank you very much. It is a fantastic evening uh, for me and my family. It is amazing to have my uh, banner up there with all the great Toronto Mipics. Uh It is also amazing that my banner will be there forever. I would like to th- say uh, thank you to Toronto Mipics for taking care of me and my family at all times. And to all you people in here tonight and all the Toronto fans out there, you are the greatest. Thank you very much. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. 
you might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. So, Canada's back in the World Cup. And whether you're a footy fanatic or tuning into soccer for the first time, we have the perfect series to accompany our nation's return to the world stage. Oh, go on, man. I'm Henry Standage, and in our new series, Painting the Pitch Red, I'll take you through the thrilling highs and heartbreaking lows of Canada's men's national team. This is the moment the country has waited for! Joining me will be some of the most respected Canadian soccer voices. FIFA the franchise. That video game changed everything here. Just an absolute corrupt CONCACAF. It was like this club you didn't know until you got in it. You know, now when you say you're from Canada, people are asking me about Alfonso Davies. Subscribe to Painting the Pitch Red by Sportsnet to hear Canada's soccer story in full color for the first time. New chapters drop every Canada match day at Qatar 2022. 32 Thoughts listeners, if you're looking for something for that special someone in your life, may I recommend the Elliot Friedman's Source Coffee Mug? Yes, you can be revealed and outed as one of Elliot's sources. This is part of the 32 Thoughts fashion line, I suppose. Elliot might be the the best way to describe it. Everything is on sale for Black Friday at 32% off. Uh, your discount is automatically applied in the card. This runs from now through to Sunday night. You can get the coffee mug. You can get various clothing items as well. Check out shopsportsnet.store and you can be an Elliot Friedman source. It's true. The coffee mug is outstanding. And here's a little peek behind the curtain. Every day at the top of the second hour of my radio show, my wife, before she goes to work out, makes a pot of coffee and brings me one. And lately it's been in the Elliot Friedman's source mug. So as soon as the beautiful, beautiful, sweet, hot beans go in the mug, the all black mug reveals that I am indeed an Elliot Friedman source. That can be you, ladies and gentlemen. That can be you. Okay, Elliot, a couple of names here. Patrick Hornquist and Jesper Bratt. I want to have a bigger conversation about the Devils right now, who, you know, their 13-game winning streak just ended. But we'll start with Patrick Hornquist here. Like, we know with Anthony DeClaire on the horizon, there's going to have to be some type of move made by the Florida Panthers. And according to your blog, looks like Patrick Hornquist is off limits. So I wrote earlier this week when I did my first of the two 32 Thoughts blogs, and Please, people. I had people coming after me that I only had 13 of notes in the last blog. Give me a break here. I'm trying to get a new rhythm going. Okay, everyone? You guys are merciless. Anyway. Just stretch them out more. Seriously, dude. Just stretch them out more. I wrote that Duclair, when he comes back, and they're capped out. They've had to play with 17 twice. I said, Duclair, when he comes back, his salary is $3 million. I'm not convinced they want to trade Le- uh, Duclair. I don't know what they're going to end up doing, but some people have said, well, it's obvious it's Duclair. No, I don't think it's obvious that it's Duclair. Anyway, uh, my point being that they have some options here they're going to look over. And a lot of people were like Hornquist, Hornquist, Hornquist. And someone called me and said, whatever you do, don't put Hornquist on that list. And I said, okay. And I said, why? And they said, because 
remember initially that when Hornquist was traded from Pittsburgh to Florida, mm-hmm. he initially said no. And then he changed his mind. But one of the things that uh, he said was, I'd like a guarantee that I'm not going to be traded from here. And I don't know if there was an exact guarantee given, but I think there was a conversation about, we recognize how you feel and we'll honor it. Now, these things can always change. I've learned never to deal in absolutes, but it appears as if it's unlikely that Hornquist would be the guy. You know why I really like Patrick Hornquist staying on the Florida Panthers? Why is that? I just love the idea that both the coach and one of the players on this coach's team were both selected last overall in their drafts. Paul Maurice, 1985, 252nd to the Philadelphia Flyers. Patrick Hornquist, 2005, last to the Nashville Predators. I'm cool. That's a good one. I have to tell you. There's a thought for you. If you're stretching for another thought to get to 16. Ask the audience. Apparently, apparently I'm short every week. Um, you're right about Jesper Bratt as well. And listen, throughout this streak, we've, I think even casual hockey fans know just how good this guy is. Uh, what's the latest with the contract? Credit first to uh, James Nichols from the fourth period. He actually reported that there was a conversation uh, with uh, Rick Comoro, who's the agent who represents uh, Jesper Bratt. I don't think that there's anything imminent here. Now, first of all, he can't sign until January 1st because he's on a one-year deal. But you're allowed to talk. Like Some people think that, well, you're not allowed to talk until January 1st. No, that's not the case. You can talk. There's just nothing formal. And I do think he's their top priority. You know, New Jersey has a bunch of UFAs. But I think, you know, Brad has established himself as, as the guy they have to deal with first. And I believe that is their plan. Like I said, I don't think there's anything imminent. I think this is very early. I still think it's going to be a grind to get there. But I do think the Devils have said that this is the number one thing they have to deal with. Okay, Jesper Bratt's team, the New Jersey Devils, had their 13-game winning streak, Elliot, mm-hmm. ended in, let's just say, controversial fashion well (laughs) controversial to some obvious to others and we're talking about the three disallowed goals okay the situation with uh, nathan bastion the situation with tatar on murray and the situation with eric halla and the kick we'll get to what happened after in a couple of moments but your thoughts on the three disallowed goals first of all great game maybe the best game of the year i i have to say it was really um, just the drama was incredible. Skill. You know, the first one, I give a lot of credit to Down Goes Brown. Uh, Sean has done a lot of work on way too much work, more work than I would ever want to do on goaltender interference. And one of the things that he discovered, which I think is totally right, is if a player is in the crease on their own accord, basically – 95% of the time that goal is getting overturned. And if you watch Bastion, he spins away from the defender and he ends up in the crease. And one of the things I've learned over the years not to do is watch these reviews too much in slow motion. Yeah. Because in slow motion, it looks like Murray has a ton of time. And at regular speed, he doesn't. It's Hamilton. Hamilton cross ice feed to McLeod. Back to Siegenthaler. Rips one. Scores! Devils take a one nothing lead with 12.25 to go in the first. Woo! Woo! The impact line, the impact line, doing what they do best, forechecking, taking the puck away. You know, and it goes back to Siegenthal off a nice pass from McLeod. 
but way on the right side, it's Dougie Hamilton, he's slapping his stick. He wants it. They give it over, and Siegenthaler gives it over. We got a problem? They're discussing it. Are they talking about a, a goalie interference? Are they talking about, what are they talking about here? Well, we got Bastion out in front, Chico. Okay, he turns in the crease. His skate strikes the goaltender's skate. New Jersey is challenging the play that there was no goaltender interference. Okay. Good, good. I gotta say, so anyway. Now, I will say this. One of the things that drives me crazy about these review calls is when a goalie resets or how much time he needs to reset. I hate that. I think it's too subjective. But that one at real speed, to me, that was a simple call. Bastion's in the crease on his own accord. His skate and Murray's skate do connect. It's not a long time. For me, Jeff, that one was a no-brainer I, I, uh, based on everything I've learned about goaltender interference. I'm going to skip to the third one. The third one was a no-brainer. It's a kick. You can't count that. Yes, he has. 43 seconds left on the power play for the Leafs, but here comes Halla all the way up the ice across the blue line, tried to stick handle through a guy. Bastion picks it up in the slot. Bastion to Halla. Big save there by Murray. Oh, empty net. Scores! Count that one. Let's just wait. I'm just waiting here on a kicking motion. I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong. At least we got to the goal song, Chico. (laughs) We did. Here we go to see it. There. Okay, Hollis kicking it up to his skate, to his stick. Ah, it's a kicking motion. Don't get too excited yet, folks. I don't know. I'm looking at Kyle, my statistician. See what he thinks. It does go off a leaf. I mean, it could go either way again, folks. Under review to determine if the puck was kicked into the net. The second one, I think, is the tough one. Like, to me, I see a case there where you could say, look, there was contact, it was not a penalty but we can't allow the goal to go in like that. I'm okay with that ruling generally. I've got to tell you, Murray, though, there was a little bit of embellishment there. Hey, hey, it's it's <laughs> World Cup time. It's, it's World, World Cup, Cup time. time. Come on. If there's Hell anyone yeah. I would have an issue with, it, with, it would be the second one. Yeah. Rips it around the glass, comes out to Severson. Severson with the empty net, shoots, he scores! No, 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 no. Again. No, they're saying the goalie got interfered with. Oh, the crowd oh is going to be going crazy. So, the goalie, if you're looking at the leaf net, he goes to the right to play the puck. He's outside the crease. It's not the same when he's in the crease. I haven't seen the replay, but he was totally out of the play. And it was, a, I mean, a completely empty net. And the uh, officials are talking about it. Let's see what they're going to say. And everybody's looking at on their pad. I, I don't know what happened. All I know is laying down to the side is Murray, the goaltender. Oh, so that's the only one I look at and say the Devils may have a case, although I also understand that the league is always going to err on the side of the goalies. Always 
Always, always. I think we should err on the side of goals when there's no attempt to really hit somebody. Mm-hmm. But the league will generally err on the side of, of goalies outside of the crease. Okay. What do you think? I'm fine with all three calls. As a matter of fact, the, the one that got the fans the hottest to me seemed like the easiest, the hollow goal. Well, that, that's black and white rule. You can't even argue that. That's what I'm saying. I understand that like, that there's a, a lot of steam that's built up here for New Jersey Devils fans at that moment. And they've already seen two disallowed and, yeah. oh, here comes another. But really, I mean, if you're having a look at this one, I mean, I get it that you're upset. I know like this, you know, sports, you know, you lead with your heart and you lead with your emotions. I get that. And you're frustrated and you want to see your team, you know, uh, get that number 14 uh, in a row. I get it. We all do. But that to me seemed like the easiest one. But of course, that's the one that caused everything to explode at the rock. And, and that's why I want to get your thoughts on here, too. Like after video review, the puck was kicked into the net. No goal. Wow. I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't kicked into the net. It was kicked to the top of the uh, crease. And then it hit a Leaf player and goes in. Uh, oh, no, I, the fans don't want to do that. They're throwing beer cans. Don't like this. Devils will take bad, a penalty. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah. No, come on, you guys. You're going to hit somebody in the head. And even Deco Heischer saying enough. What is, what is wrong? That's ridiculous. I get that it's frustrating, but I believe they could still hand out a penalty to the Devils because well, of the crowd. I, I got to tell you, I, I love our crowd. But, you know, Paul is saying the same thing. Guys, you're slowing the game down. We got the ice crew coming out, but that was a, that was a terrible display. But I will tell you this. I hate it when people throw things on the ice outside of hats and teddy bears, the teddy bear toss game. Uh, it's just so dangerous and just so stupid. Like there's a couple of things that I really, I can't stand glass bangers. I have got no time for glass bangers. Really? And it, yeah, I hate it. Yeah. I really okay. hate glass bangers. I figured you of all people no, would love glass No, it's bangers. ridiculous. I am actually shocked at this. I hate, I got, I have zero time for glass bangers and I've got even less time for people that throw things on the ice. Beer, sodas, jelly beans, whatever it was, hit the ice. It was almost, you know, to the point, and I, I know that the place would have gone banana sandwich if they would have done this. But if I'm the officials, in order to make sure that this doesn't happen in another rink during another game, I don't want a warning. I want the officials, and I'm disappointed. I just found something out about you that you've never heard this term before. I want the officials to throw the dog at the devils. Yeah, I, I've never heard a delay of game called a dog, but... You've never heard it called the dog? No. Oh, they got the dog. Ooh, tough one. Really? No, because when, we when we were kids, if our coaches ever wanted us to take a delay of game penalty, and at that time, puck over glass wasn't automatic, yeah. they would just say, take the penalty. That's what they would say. So I always, we always knew when we were playing, if the coach said, take the penalty, we knew it was like a delay of game penalty or something. For, yeah. For us, it was, yeah. For, they're going to do the, uh, the delay of game was always just put your skate on the puck along the boards and don't move. Don't try to move it. No matter what the referees say. We were getting killed on a five on three once. And I picked up the puck and threw it down the ice. Come on. You did not. Yeah, and, the, <laughs> and, and the coach said to me like, whoa, <laughs> What were you doing? And you said, told me, you told us to take the penalty. And he goes, you got me on that one. It was a running clock too. The other team was furious at me. Oh, I'll bet. 
Um, but do, were you a little bit surprised that they didn't get the delay of game or dog as we're going to try to catch on here? I would be really curious to hear if the league warns teams to say that that was a one-off and we won't be that patient again. Like part of me wondered if it was just one of those situations where they were like, yeah, they've had three goals disallowed. We're going <laughs> to vent, let them vent a little bit. Like it's not good. The thing about that is you never want other fans to get the idea that if you're really pissed off because too many calls are going against you, that's okay. And it wouldn't surprise me if they send something out mm -hmm. warning that we're not going to be as patient. But part of me is like, well, it's kind of human nature. Look what's happening here. We're going to give them a bit of break. Everybody listening, don't throw things on the ice. Don't throw things on the ice. No matter how upset you are. And even though Elliot doesn't seem to mind you, I do. Don't bang the glass. <laughs> don't bang the glass. Please don't bang the glass. Thoughts on a couple of trades this week we should catch up on. Uh, I want to get to Connor Timmons in a couple of seconds to Toronto, but first, Ryan Reeves, uh, who had been scratched in eight of the Rangers' previous nine games before the trade, uh, goes to the Minnesota Wild in exchange for a fifth-round pick. You write about this at 32thoughts at sportsnet.ca. Elliot. Yeah, I, I think this is a situation where Ryan Reeves had uh, asked if he wasn't going to play, could he be moved? And the Rangers obviously accommodated it. This will give them some more cap room. You know, the Rangers aren't in LTIR. They're fortunate. You know, I, I, I was checking cap friendly Puckpedia. If it stays this way, although nothing ever stays this way, mm -hmm. you plan, God laughs. Nothing ever stays this way. 6.5 million approximately in cap space at the deadline, which will give them a lot of flexibility mm. to do things. What's what's half of Patrick Kane's contract? I'm just, I don't know why I bring that out. That could be double retention anyway. But yes, I know everybody, everybody ties it in with the Rangers. Okay, uh, no, yeah. no question about here. that. Yep. Nothing to see here. Yep. Okay. Um, the, the other thing about Reeves is Minnesota was looking, they were considering some ideas I think one of the things that um, Minnesota was kind of considering is, number one, I don't think they're interested in anybody with term unless it's a game changer. And that's because, you know, they have a lot of cap constraints because of Suter Parise. They're in prison right now. They're in cap prison. They're in cap they're prison. They're in cap prison, a maximum security facility. Mm. And so I think, you know, he's only under contract for this year. That helped. I think the other thing, too, is I think, you know, Garen has some flexibility. He's also not in LTIR. So one of the things that I think he's kind of looking at is, you know, do we add a score? Do we add some edge? You know, if you look at some of the guys they have there, the role Felino's played, things like that, they consider the extreme physicality a key part of their game. And I think that he kind of looked at it as, you know what, I'm looking at both potentially adding some edge and also adding some scoring. And so now he's added some edge and I can still see him adding some scoring. A couple of other Canadian teams here before we wrap up, Elliot, the Ottawa Senators continue to lose. We've talked about like, look, the last place team in the Eastern Conference are the Ottawa Senators. The last mm -hmm. place team in the Western Conference are the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, we've talked about at what point does this season become about next season? Are we there for Ottawa? Are they now, do we now say, hey, is it going to be Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli? Well, I think you kind of have to. You know, the math dictates that you have to be there. But 
Like, I thought they really played hard on Wednesday night. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. I, as a matter of fact, I, I know that some Ottawa Senators fans may, you know, disagree with me here that are a lot closer to it. First of all, Vegas is an outstanding hockey team. And congratulations, by the way. I know it's in a losing effort, but nice to see Jake Sanderson score his first goal in the yep. NHL. Many more to come. But I see individuals... I don't know that I see everybody, but I see a lot of members of that team still playing hard, and that starts with the Captain Elliott. I'm not ready to say that this entire team is just thrown in the white towel. Not a chance. But it's tough, man. It's hard. Again, the numbers don't tell the whole story, but at five-on-five, I I thought they were the better team. Like To be honest... Like, how many bad games have they had? They had a bad game against San Jose. Five to one. And they had a bad game against, a really ugly one at home against the Devils. And I remember talking once with Gord Ash when, when he was the general manager of the Blue Jays. They had a time where they were struggling and they had an afternoon game. And they, got, they had a big crowd. A lot of the kids were there. And he was really sour after they lost that game. And I remember talking to him later about it. And... I remember like asking, like saying, like, why would you be more sour about that one than any of the other losses? And, and he, at the time, and and he said it's an afternoon game. We got a lot of kids here. These are the games that you can really sell to fans. And they were down big early. And it reminded me of that game against Jersey that you're. It's an afternoon game. You have a good crowd, one of your biggest crowds of the year, and and they were out of it early. And, and those are the tough ones, e- even more than the others. What does Gord Stalick always say about losing? If you're going to stink, stink on the road. Yep, that's the one. Don't do it at home. But, you know, the thing is, like, again, like a lot of Ottawa's games, like their underlying numbers aren't bad. But I was on uh, Brent Wallace's and Jason York's show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about was Jason York said it. He kind of said they sold too much hope. And now the hope is there. And you're portraying yourself a certain way and maybe they weren't ready. And it's harder for the real fans of the team to handle this because they they think they're going to be better, but they're not. Like, I still think Ottawa's future is very bright. It's hard to keep saying that when the expectations were so much better. Like, I think Columbus is going through the same thing. Mm, Like, I think Columbus's future is very bright. But you look at the way it's going right now and you kind of sit there and say, man, that's hard to stomach. But the truth is you really weren't ready for where you hoped you would go. And it's it's a really tough place to be. Like, like I've seen teams quit on coaches before. I don't think this team is quitting on, on DJ Smith. I, I just don't. Nope. Because um, the, they're at five on five, they're still really good. You don't do enough to win and the losses pile up and it becomes difficult to sell that. Speaking of Columbus, by the way, I do wonder if Columbus is going to be a team here Look, that takes a look at Chikrin. They've been, they've, that name's been out there for Chikrin for a while now. I'm glad you mentioned that. They've been around, oh, big time. They don't have Wierenski. They don't have Blankenberg. You know, Jake Bean had surgery. It doesn't sound good. I just wonder if it makes sense. And obviously, they're not giving away their best pick. That's insane. But they've got to find have a way that they can. I, it just makes a lot of sense to me. I don't even necessarily think it's just for this season. 
either to try to salvage something. This is no, you're not Chicken still has he, he's still yeah. got two more years on term. Like even you might look at them and say, well, why have they been for Jacob Tricker? Well, it's not necessarily just for this year. It's for the uh, the two subsequent years at a very team friendly number. Um, real quick, Vancouver Canucks, you have a thought on that? It was a big win. Like it's a third period win. Ethan Bear with the heroics. That's a big win for Vancouver on Wednesday night at a at a time when they really need one, Elliot. Absolutely, I, I do. I like absolutely. I agree with you. Um, they folded a lot of games. Folded a lot of games this year when they had chances to win and this one they didn't fold i i think that's huge i'll tell you this like you know so, someone said to me that uh rutherford's gonna let this play out with horvat for a couple more months now because oh, i said that uh, it might happen tomorrow but <laughs> rutherford apparently thinks he's got time so i mean we'll see Again, I know I could end up being wrong on this. I know I could end up being wrong, but there were no negotiations with Miller, and then pop, eh. something happened. So I could be totally wrong, but I still wonder about that, even though I can't imagine the players too thrilled with all this. Right. Uh, one follow-up as well uh, on a story that just started to pick up on again. It sounds like Rachel Dory has filed a complaint uh, against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, she was let go in September. This was well, shortly after Bruce Boudreau announced that she was joining his staff. We'll see where this one goes. No details available right now. And that's it. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Taking us out, a five-piece band that was formed in the 80s in lovely Gothenburg, Sweden. Simple lyrics and a guitar. Here's Broder Daniel with No Time For Us on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view, and they all had to stay somewhere and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. 
Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.